Welcome to The Filmographers, the podcast where each month we choose one actor, watch as much of their filmography as possible, and then talk about it. I'm one of your hosts, Katie Wright. I'm an actor and writer in New York, and shortly I'll be joined by your other host, Lenny Burnham, uh, who is also a writer. Uh, But before we get going with the episode... Uh, This was the first episode that we recorded, and we're still figuring it out uh, from a technical standpoint, so we somehow lost the first 10 minutes. That's okay, because not that much happened in the first 10 minutes, but just let me catch you up. So uh, this episode is about the actor David Desmalchin, and we are going through his filmography chronologically, so we start with The Dark Knight. For each project that an actor is in, we're going to rate it worth it or not worth it. And then we also have two special designations that we can give to a project. The gold star is the one movie or TV show the actor's been in that we think you should seek out. Uh, And the black ball is the one movie or TV show that we hated that we think you should avoid at all costs. So, The Dark Knight. Lenny gives it a not worth it. He says that it is very boring and that it is not even the best thing where David Desmalchin plays a Joker henchman. I give it a worth it, but it's a very mild worth it. Uh, Basically, pretty much everybody knows how they feel about The Dark Knight at this point, so I don't need to try to convince anybody. But both Lenny and I think that it's pretty overrated. Sorry. Deal with it, everybody. Uh, So then the second David Smalchin vehicle we talk about is a movie called Horseman. It's kind of a Seven-esque serial killer drama horror type movie. It's a serial killer who bases his murders off of the, his or her murders, off of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's a really terrible movie. Terrible, really bad. Uh, Avoid it by all costs. Both Lenny and I unanimously give this movie the black ball. So we'll cut to the episode now. And Lenny and I are in the midst of our conversation about horsemen. Uh, thank you so much and enjoy the episode so there's like a running thing of people hanging on meat hooks which for me personally is uh the worst possible running theme a movie can have right yeah and that's like an example of how it's not like it's not even like that's a creative kill it's just like over and over again people are hanging from meat yeah, hooks. Yeah, and and people are hanging themselves on meat hooks voluntarily. People are hanging other people on meat hooks. And that's about it for gore. So yeah, gross but boring. Just like stupid in ways it didn't need to be because like you kind of touched on this, but it's just like having four murders themed after the four horsemen of the apocalypse is like a pretty simple idea. And they just keep trying to be like, 
Like, did you know there's not just the four horsemen, there's a leader and like, oh, you didn't expect that these two count as one horseman and this. Like, you can't fucking keep track <laughs> of these murders. Yeah, it should be so clear, but there's like seven murders and it's like, this one is half a horseman. <laughs> really stupid. And then it's got a... Just one of those dumb movie, dumb twist endings that's dumb. Yeah, and there's like a really tacked on, phoned in dead wife that's like the laziest getting you to care about the protagonist. Like, it's always a dead wife. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, on top of everything, David DeSmalchin is in it for approximately 20 seconds. It's by far the worst (laughs) thing we watched. And it has no David DeSmalchin. I think he had like two lines. Yeah, he's just like, I'll get you those lab reports. And we don't even see him be like, hey, I got you those lab reports later. That's the end of that character yeah so this is a hard pass do not watch this movie watch seven if if you want to watch a terrible movie about a biblical serial killer at least that one knows how to stick to its premise uh next up we've got an episode of the league called judge macarthur uh the league for those of you guys who don't know is the fx comedy about a uh group of people with the fantasy football league and uh in my opinion it's just like an incredible waste of talent i feel like they get so many funny actors on it like nick kroll is one of the stars and it has a lot of funny guest actors and it's just like every episode of the league makes me laugh an average of like one time <laughs> overall yeah i also truly dislike the league I feel like the actors that I enjoy who are on it are not really good on it. Yeah, same. Like, <laughs> I feel like I like Nick Kroll in pretty much everything else he's in, even when it's bad. I still feel like Nick Kroll is good in it, but I think he's so boring on the league. Yeah, and Mark Duplass has had some, like, really amazing roles in movies. Like, he's a really good actor, and he's just, like, so bland and dumb on yeah. the show. And all the characters I truly just hate. Yeah. And I feel like this episode is pretty typical of the League in that it just, like, sets up a plot that just, like, doesn't quite track where he's, like, trying to become a judge, but, like, his kids get lice, and then, uh, what's that guy? Not Rob Corddry, the other bald guy, Paul Shear, (laughs) also gets lice, and it's, like, there's just, like, a bunch of, like, logical steps that don't really feel connected it's just like a bunch of loosely held together improvised scenes if you've watched the league and enjoyed it you'll probably like this episode i didn't think it was worse than usual yeah if you haven't watched the league or don't like it this is not an especially good episode i'm giving it a not worth it i will also give it a not worth it although one cool thing about it is that it's a comedy, and this is about the like. This is almost the only, only comedy. Yeah, he really sticks to like action drama, and he's funny. He only has like one scene, but he's funny in it. So actually, I'm gonna give it a worth it for just that one scene, just a to twist. see a horseman esque twist. I'm gonna give it a worth it because David Desmalchin has some jokes. Oh, next is Cass. So Cass is an indie film about uh, a young, like a teenage girl in, where are they? Are they in Detroit? I don't remember. They're in some, (laughs) they're in some like city that's kind of, kind of seems like it's decaying a little bit. Like a teenage girl 
and her single father and her younger brother and then this handsome homeless guy played by <laughs> David Desmalchin comes into their lives. It's kind of, I'm having difficulty summing it up because it's kind of a meandering movie yeah. overall. It's just kind of a like slice of life thing, I guess. Lenny, do you want to, do you want to start off with how you felt about it or should I sure. start? Uh, I, you know, I really liked what it was trying to do. I was rooting for it because you don't see that many sort of slice of life things about teen girls that really try to be like unflinching. There's like you and me and everyone we know and like kids and that's pretty much it um but I feel like they really they tried to do too much stuff it wasn't really well executed um and it just got I thought really cluttered so overall I'm gonna give it I'm not worth it yeah this movie to me really really feels and looks like a student film and everything about it seems like it's a pretty good for somebody's first try. <laughs> the cinematography and the way it's written and pretty much all of the acting except for David Desmalchin feels like, okay, yeah, like, good good start. <laughs> um, so uh, I will also give it a not worth it. Next is The Employer. Uh, this is a, maybe horror is going too far, thriller uh, about uh, a group of people. I want to say it's five people, maybe seven. I They're, think it's five. Okay, five people who all interview for jobs at this company and the next day find themselves kidnapped, put into a room together, and told that they have to fight to the death and that the winner uh, will receive the job, which is a pretty fun idea for a movie, kind of like a experiment which we'll, which we'll talk about later but this to me is another movie that feels like it was made by an amateur <laughs> or I guess I would say cast feels like it was made by a college student and the employer kind of feels like it was made by that production company that does like snakes on a train yes, and like yeah. trans shapers <laughs> like it feels like you're supposed to see it and think that it's saw and then you bring it home and you're like oh wait damn it this isn't saw I'm giving it a not worth it. <laughs> I am also giving it a not worth it. There's just like so much aggressively dumb stuff in the script. Like there's a part where one of the moments where they all like get suspicious of this company where for some reason there's a woman in the mix who wrote like her thesis on this company. And right. there's a part where she's like, in all of my research into them, I didn't find anything about any of them having a family. Yeah. Which is so insane. Yeah. It's like, first off, everyone has a family. Like, even if they don't talk to them. like, And also, like, why would that come up in your research? Like, that yeah. can't be a provable fact about any company. And she says it so confidently. It's insane. Yeah, it really seems like if you're doing a thesis on mcdonald's or whatever you're not gonna be like mm, does this junior executive have a wife what does does the vice president have children like yeah that's like, so incidental if it didn't come up you would just be like of course it's not relevant and like in the preceding scene they're all like you know i have a sister but we're not really close fucking obviously um but then she just says it like they don't have a family <laughs> That's just yeah. one example of how 
it just, uh, much like Horseman, it, like, could have been, like, pretty, like, mediocre, but whatever, but it just, like, goes out of its way to be so aggressively dumb. It keeps cutting to Malcolm McDowell, who I don't think we said previously, but he plays the ominous boss who's interviewing all these people. It keeps cutting to the night before when all these people are being interviewed by Malcolm McDowell, and it has them saying like a quick statement that sums up their character followed by him asking if you get this job is there anything you wouldn't do for this company and then the person answering and we just have to hear malcolm mcdowell say if you got this job is there anything you wouldn't do for this company over and over so much so that I think you said that you, they might be recycling the same footage. Yeah, it felt <laughs> possible that they only got Malcolm McDowell for half an hour and just kept reusing it. Because there's, like, no shots of him with another actor. Until it's, the very end. Until the very end, yeah. But, like, in the interview scenes, it's just cutting back and forth. Like, there's no two shots. There's no evidence that they were in a room together. Uh, this movie sucks. Yeah, also, <laughs> uh, other than... Malcolm McDowell and David Desmulchin, and I guess Billy Zane, who's there. Oh my god, I forgot! For a small time for some reason. Billy Zane is like the second most famous person in this movie, and he's there for 10 seconds. It's so weird. But other than them, just like no one is really at a professional level of acting, so it's like the already really badly written dialogue just comes out even more stilted and unnatural. Yeah, a lot of these actors feel like they're from, like, porn or something. <laughs> like, they're so bad, and they don't quite look like they should be on camera. Like, not like they're ugly, but they're just, they don't quite look right. Maybe it's just that they're not comfortable. Maybe that's yeah. why they don't look right. Uh, you said at the time that we watched this that David DeSmolchin is like first or second build. He's either after Malcolm McDowell or he's first build. But David DeSmolchin was probably like, wow, I'm first build in a movie with Malcolm McDowell. My career is made. And then on the first day of filming, <laughs> he was probably like, oh, dear. <laughs> Guess this is just more of the same for old baby <laughs> spot on impression by the way that's exactly what he sounds like you really gotta watch everything someone's in to get that level <laughs> yeah. of imitation guys we do not have david desmulchin here with us that was just me well next up folks uh -huh. it's an episode of ray donovan called black cadillac mm -hmm. i've watched a lot of ray donovan and i have not enjoyed a single second of it I don't understand the appeal of this show. I don't know why it gets nominated for, like, awards. I feel like it's just, like, a really typical network procedural procedural with a bunch of, like, thrown in, trying too hard to be edgy stuff. I hate it. This episode is no exception to that and also only has, like, a second of David Desmulchin. Yeah. So I'm giving it a nom. <laughs> While we were watching this, this was the first and only episode I've ever seen of the show, and, like... 30 minutes in, I was like, I thought this was some kind of crime show. And Lenny was like, it is, but it's just so plotting and boring that it felt like it was just about a man who's mildly annoyed by his father and has to go to an open house at a school. Yeah, it's really like trying to do that like Sopranos thing of being like, you know, it's more about the emotional nuances, but just, like, 
it doesn't have any emotional nuance. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you're watching a lot of very boring scenes of a family being tense. Yeah. And there's so little to Smallchen. Yeah. It's on a par with Horsemen with how little to Smallchen there is. Yeah. He's in a sweater vest, but it, it goes wasted. Yeah. So, yeah, not worth it. Uh, next is a short film called Heavy. Two people who hooked up the night before waking up in the morning and the guy realizes that the girl is currently fighting cancer. He thinks that's really cool to a degree that she finds off-putting and then she kicks him out of her apartment. That's the entire thing. It's kind of hard for me to really have a strong opinion on this because it's so short and so quick. I don't really think it's worth seeking out. But on the other hand, it's like three minutes of your life and you get to see David DeSmalchin without a shirt on. (laughs) So (laughs) if that sounds worth it to you, sure. Seek out heavy. I guess it's worth it for the nips. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it is a very small time investment. So on some level, it's like you might as well watch it. But on principle, I'm going to give it a not worth it because it just like... They could have done a lot more to have it be, like, subtler. It just, like, everything that happens feels very abrupt. But uh, it's just, like, it's very rushed. Like, clearly, like, the person who made it had, like, the two points that they wanted to make. And it doesn't really feel like real characters are talking. Yeah. It feels like the person who wrote it is a cancer survivor and had an annoying an annoying interaction and then like sat down and wrote out like what they wish they could say to people who are annoying to them about being sick and Which, then like they just put that as a script without yeah. without trying like, to that tr- could have <laughs> since it's a three minute youtube video anyway could have just been like a to camera thing that's like this <laughs> happened to me here's why i think it's annoying and that would probably be like pretty good but like yeah. since it's trying to be about characters it just feels pretty unnatural next up is prisoners uh which is uh about a man whose daughter is kidnapped and the the police are trying to find out who kidnapped her and he is going outside the law and trying to figure out who kidnapped her as well and he starts uh some vigilante torturing and stuff it's I really really loved this movie um I really like I I was really impressed with how it could move at a slow pace and I still felt riveted by it the whole time I think all the acting is really really great I really love this movie and there's not that much David DeSmalchin in it but I think he he packs a punch in the couple of scenes that he does have. Yeah, I thought this movie was great, and this is my gold star movie that you gotta watch. I'm definitely giving it a not worth it. All I have to say about this movie is that there's 40 minutes that happen without a plot point, and that's not an exaggeration. I was looking at the clock a lot because it was so excruciatingly boring, and this movie is an insult to the idea that movies should have structure. <laughs> Next is an episode of Almost Human called Simon Says. Almost Human was the short-lived sci-fi show with Carl Urban and Michael Ely as a robot. And I remember at the time it came out, 
like we watched all of Common Law, and we're really excited for them to recreate the magic of Common Law, but with the added bonus that Michael Ely's a robot now. And I like watched the first episode and immediately jumped ship. And then watching this episode, I really remembered why I immediately jumped ship. It's not even like aggressively bad like Ray Donovan, but it's just like really lazy sci-fi. Like everything that happens in this could happen in just a regular episode of CSI with like very minimal changes. David DeSmolchin plays this killer named Simon who like live streams making people do horrible things with bombs strapped to them. And uh, there's like you see the like comments of whatever YouTube equivalent he's doing and like people are using words like pwned and noob that I feel like were on the way out when this was made and it's (laughs) supposed to take place in the future. (laughs) So while Almost Human is not as uh, just like unbearable and hard to watch as some of the stuff on this list it is solidly not good so I'm giving it a not worth it. Not worth it. I have nothing else to add. Crazy boring. (laughs) Um, next is a... Oh, wait. I do want to add that this is perhaps David DeSmolchin's handsomest role. So I would recommend, if you have the hots for him, just, like, Googling this episode, like, stills, just to see him. Because he's he's very pretty. Unnecessary mouth close-ups in this episode. (laughs) And he's supposed to be playing a gross nerd, so it's really weird. (laughs) Fair enough. Next is an episode of CSI called Killer Moves. (laughs) You know what CSI is. You've probably either never watched it or watched like 500 hours of it. (laughs) This episode is about a killer whose MO is elaborately recreating chess moves, which involves like killing someone on like First Street and Avenue B and then moving their body to Second Street and Avenue C like a chess move. It's really stupid. And we bailed as soon as, spoiler alert, a thing happened that made us know there would be no more David DeSmolchin in the episode. <laughs> I have never watched uh, CSI in my life this before this, I my think. first episode of CSI. <laughs> yeah, we're a, we're a Law & Order household. <laughs> it's terrible. I truly hate it. And I kind of thought that the chess murder premise was kind of cool. The The person had to be something that was analogous to the chess piece. So, like, their last name was Knight or they work in the catholic church so they're like a bishop or something but i feel like the episode kind of didn't really follow through on making that make sense they just casually threw in that homeless people equal pawns and that bummed me out not enjoyable or well written do not watch this not worth it next is animals which david desmolchin wrote and stars in it is about two heroin addicts who are a couple and they live in their car and they survive by grifting people and it's based on David DeSmolchin's actual experiences as a heroin addict and grifter. I don't totally have my mind made up on this movie. I thought David DeSmolchin was great in it but he's always great in everything and I thought that his co-star was uh was also pretty good. The parts that are about them doing what they can to survive on the streets and and like conning people were interesting but sort of overall it just feels like an unsatisfying movie like it's just kind of i'm gonna say this movie's worth it but just barely (laughs) 
So that's all I got. I don't know. Lenny, save me here. I don't know what to say about this movie. Yeah, I'm going to give it a soft not worth it. It's Maybe if you like sort of like the mumblecore-ish like slice of life genre, yeah. I would like it. Um, but it just doesn't. You know, it doesn't really have, like, the beats and structure of a movie, uh, of uh, a traditional narrative. So, yeah, it just sort of doesn't doesn't quite feel like a story, I guess. That's a good point. It is kind of mumblecore-y, which is just not something I generally care for. But it does a pretty good job of being that. Next up is Intruders. The episode title is She Was Provisional, and this was the series premiere of this uh, sci-fi show. And in this episode, some men do some scary things, and there's some kind of science fictional intrigue happening. A lot of these single episode Dismalchin guest appearances, this was too boring for me to pay attention to, and I'm not sure what happened. At the time that we were marathoning David Desmalchin, we had not yet decided this would be a podcast, so I did not know that I would need to force myself to pay attention for the benefit of the listener. So I have truly nothing to say about this, and I'm going to say it is not worth it. Yeah, I'm also going to say it was not worth it, and similarly, I can't really tell you anything about it. I know, yeah, that's definitely partially on me, but I also, like, I didn't feel myself like spacing out when we were watching it but now I really have no memory other than sitting there and watching it (laughs) so not a memorable show yeah I sort of feel like there was some kind of plot point with government people erasing memories and I think maybe they accidentally reached through dimensions and erased ours and I feel like it's especially damning that this is like probably at least for me the least memorable of all his tv episodes and it's a pilot so it's like its whole job is to suck you in (laughs) that's a good point next is a little movie called ant-man i'm definitely giving it a worth it uh i thought it was a lot of fun i found it really refreshing because this was you know a while ago before um before deadpool and before spider-man homecoming so just like the fact that it had bright colors and tried to be fun mm-hmm. instead of just being like two excruciating hours about politics and shit was really refreshing for a Marvel movie. I feel like if I listed out the Marvel movies, it would probably be like solidly like dead center. Even though um, Edgar Wright was supposed to direct it, and even though he left partway through, I feel like his influence still kind of carried on because it was more fun than other uh surrounding marvel movies um i i liked it a lot more watching it the second time than i liked it when i saw it in the theater i guess because my expectations were lower the second time it's not my favorite superhero movie but it is reasonably fun and i enjoyed the characters and i think the is hank pym hank pym is his name or is hank pym the old one hank pym's the old Uh, one scott scott yeah scott lang Scott Lang! I think that Scott Lang is a really fun character and his his crew of of softly criminal buddies are really fun. David Desmalchin is one of his uh his criminal cohorts. Uh yeah, it's got good characters and it's you light enough that you can actually see the action. I guess 
uh, I would note for anyone who uh, might be watching these specifically because David Desmulchin is a handsome man, that one, he's not in a ton of it, and also, two, he has, like, really dumb hair and glasses. Yeah, he's he said in an interview that he just, like, made the choice that his character moved to America because he loved Elvis so much, Aww. and so he's got, like, crazy Elvis hair. The glasses, I don't know. I don't know why those are there, but they are pretty bad. Next is two episodes of 12 Monkeys, uh, Immortal and Bodies of Water. If you don't know what 12 Monkeys is, it's a sci-fi show starring the guy who played Pyro in the X-Men movies, and it's about a time traveler. The, oh, the other main character is uh, Rachel Taylor, who played who plays Trish on Jessica Jones. And yeah, I thought these were pretty uh, solid sci-fi episodes. It's no Legends of Tomorrow, but what is? And yeah, I would give them a worth it mostly for the second one, Bodies of Water, uh, because he doesn't show up until the very end of the first one, and also it has a very annoying A-plot. The B-plot's pretty good. That's pretty much all I gotta say about 12 Monkeys. For me, 12 Monkeys is in the category with Intruders and Almost Human. Well, I guess Almost Human isn't in this category. But in a category with Intruders of unwatchably boring and I walked away not remembering anything that happened truly truly a terrible experience for me <laughs> uh, definitely not worth it and I, I honestly don't remember his character at all I may have been literally asleep by the time he appeared I feel like you definitely were <laughs> okay next is the Belko experiment this movie uh, just came out this year and is directed by James Gunn and oh, it's written by James. Written Gunn. by James Gunn, right? Who who directed it? I'd never heard of him. I don't remember his name. Oh, weird. I really thought he directed it. Okay, uh, written by James Gunn, directed by some jerk. <laughs> and that jerk is a great director because this movie is a lot of fun. Um, it is about an office building that suddenly goes on lockdown, and a voice over the loudspeaker says that everybody has to uh, fight to the death, basically. Uh, So a very similar plot, as I noted before, to The Employer, except that this movie is great. It is super fun. It's a great, uh, like, action horror comedy hybrid. It does all of those things really well and it's really enjoyable and it has like no spots where it lags. It's really really great and I loved this movie a lot and I would say it's definitely worth it. And full disclosure, I probably would have given this my gold star except I knew that Lenny hated prisoners so much that I wanted to counteract it <laughs> by giving that the gold star. <laughs> but this movie is amazing. I also love the Belko experiment and I also, I think it's the best thing he's in. It's not getting my gold star because he has a very small role in it, so I was like, as far as the best David Desmulchin thing, it's not this, but I love this movie. You really care about every single character, like right off the bat in a very small amount of time with each character introduction. I guess care about is a strong word because there's like assholes, but I mean like, you're uh, sucked in by each character. You yeah. either hate them or love them or whatever. And there's a lot of characters. Yeah. It's like a huge company and you're introduced to like 20 people in the first in the first opening scene. It has such a simple premise and just like carries it through all the way to the end and just like never stops being exciting. And what I love most about it is just like how thorough the theme is. It's basically about how capitalism is evil 
and just so many movies the themes are like such an afterthought like at the end it'll just be like you know i think this but like every single choice they make just reiterates like how companies exploit people in like such an honest incisive way i would put it on a par with get out as far as horror movies with a message yeah me too and also uh i wanted to say something else but it's gone because i'm stupid person but this movie is wonderful oh i know what i wanted to say it's like very very bloody but not really that gross and i really appreciate that it's yeah. like it's like quentin tarantino gore instead of like i don't know just hostile gore okay next up is another excellent one at least in this reporter's <laughs> opinion it's gotham <laughs> the two episodes ghosts and smile like you mean it and this is where i'm using my gold star and I would specifically recommend Smile Like You Mean It, not because Ghosts isn't great, but just as far as, like, a self-contained episode, like, Smile Like You Mean It is pretty much entirely about, um, I guess I'll back up and say what Gotham is in case anyone doesn't know, um, it's a prequel show to Batman, so Bruce, Bruce Wayne is an adorable 14-year-old boy, and it is focused on a hot young James, James Gordon, and the, uh, Smile Like You Mean It focuses on two guest characters, um, one is David Desmulchin as Dwight Pollard, and one is uh, Cameron Monaghan as a character named Jerome, Jerome Vleska, who is essentially confirmed as the Joker. Like, he's never been called the Joker, but he's the Joker. Uh, so Smile Like You Mean It is kind of a big uh, gambit, I guess, because it's really about, it's really, really about these two guest characters. And um, their writing is really excellent, and Cameron Monaghan and David Dismulchin are both amazing actors. I think Cameron, Cameron Monaghan is the second best Joker of all time after Mark Hamill on Batman the Animated Series. Um, That's a pretty hot take. <laughs> and uh, they just, it captures, it's a comic book adaptation with just like a perfect tone of being like so horrific, but also so whimsical and fun that pretty much never happens in live action and the plot of it is so ridiculous uh the david Desmulchin character uh steals the joker's face and wears it on his face but they just really execute that insane story with this perfect tone where it's just like funny and weird and also like really homoerotic yeah, it's like, it's such a ridiculous episode because it's the episode where someone steals someone's face and wears it on their face. But like, the more uh, I've looked back on it and rewatched it, like, I think this is one of the strongest episodes of TV of 2017. I really love Smile Like You Mean It for all of its ridiculous comic book uh, shenanigans. Yeah, I, I really liked uh, these two episodes, especially Smile Like You Mean It. I feel like sometimes I really like Gotham, but sometimes it gets a little bit too cop procedural feeling-y and not comic book-y enough, and I start to find it kind of boring. But these episodes are really fun, and the the Joker and the David Desmulchin character are crazy, and their relationship is so fun to watch. Like They're both such bizarre characters, and there's no straight man in the scenes between them, and it's really really funny the way that they interact with each other and it's great yeah obviously 
like you said, the David Dismulchin character is straight up crazy with the things he chooses to do. But he's also like, there's this weird level of relatability because just like, he tries so hard to be like Jerome and just everyone is like, fuck you, you're not Jerome. And so you end up like kind of feeling for this terrible weirdo. Yeah, he's such a huge Jerome fan that he'll be like, the Gotham PD has me surrounded. This is just like when they had Jerome surrounded in that warehouse. And it's sort of relatable. Yeah, and it's just like, I love that like even like, the cops who like obviously hate all criminals are still just like you know what jerome was less boring <laughs> yeah next up is another comic book adaptation where david dismulchin plays a villain it's the flash episode abracadabra in which he plays the titular character and basically uh season three of the flash is all about him facing this villain called savitar and then this guy, Abracadabra, shows up and he's a horrible murderer from a different Earth, I want to say Earth 19, but that might be wrong. But he's from a different part of the multiverse. A bounty hunter wants to take him back, make him pay for his crimes, but he says he knows who Savitar is and could give Barry this information so he can save Iris Rest. So that's sort of Barry's moral dilemma of like, do I let this serial killer get captured or do i hope that his information can help me save iris it's one of the stronger episodes of season three i think because it is pretty self-contained and obviously david dismulchin is really charismatic as uh, the very fruity and silly abracadabra so i'm i'm gonna give it a worth it even though i don't care for the flash season three overall very much it basically works as a single episode even though it just it does not hold up to scrutiny at all because he makes such a big deal about how he's like from the future so he knows what's gonna happen but it's like six months in the future on a world he doesn't live in so abracadabra ultimately has nothing to do with anything he's just a guy who heard from someone who heard about what happened with savitar and I also just want to note that I really hate the trope of where someone's like I know this person's identity because it's like if he got that information, and the guy was like, Savitar is Steve Smith. Like, what's he gonna do with that? Here's what I have to say. The Flash is boring. Abracadabra is ugly. Not worth yeah, it. Yeah, they gave him, like, <laughs> dumb hair. Yeah, he's it's got, like, like, weird, like, highlight. Gray or silver. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's all for me. Not worth it. <laughs> Next up is MacGyver. The very thing that made me fall in love with David DeSmolchin. You guys, when... They announced a reboot of MacGyver. I did not expect to love it as much as I ended up loving it, but you can goddamn call me Patty and Selma because I love MacGyver. And uh, David Dismulchin is playing Murdoch, who is sort of the the most iconic villain from the original. I haven't seen the original, so I don't know what original Murdoch is like, but I think as far as just trying to recapture the grandness of an iconic villain he nails it like he's is really good at being as genuinely menacing as you can be while while still being like aware that it's macgyver and it's all silly i think like what is so refreshing to me like 
Katie, I know you don't watch a lot of like network dramas like The Blacklist or the, you know, Criminal Minds or whatever. But like I find MacGyver really refreshing because I feel like a lot of these network dramas are just like they take themselves so seriously, even though if you scratch the surface even a little bit, they're like so dumb. But like MacGyver really has no like ridiculous seriousness. It's just like fun and it is what it is. And I feel like it really um like, even though it's totally silly plot-wise, they actually, like, put effort where it matters as far as, like, making you care about the characters and the relationships and stuff like that, which I feel like most of these action-type shows, that's sort of, like, their last priority. Yeah, so I really, like, you know, if you find the whole idea of MacGyver silly, like, you won't enjoy it, but it's definitely, like, the best executed version of what it is. It's really fun. I did not really want to watch MacGyver, <laughs> But I had to. Lenny had been watching MacGyver for quite a while, so I knew he liked it, but I was pretty sure that I would not. But I gotta admit, I think I've seen all the MacGyver I need to see. I don't think I will go back and watch anymore, but it is actually pretty fun. And it's kind of dumb, but it feels like it's in on the joke. It's like, guys, we're rebooting MacGyver. Isn't that, isn't that kooky? <laughs> and it's pretty endearing. And Murdoch as a villain is really fun because he is just motivated by whimsy, basically. <laughs> he has he has no real, like, tangible needs. Yeah, he's just a part <laughs> where they, they reveal that even though he's a hired killer, he sometimes just kills people for free. I thought he always, I thought he never no, accepted payment. Okay. But yeah, he's just in it for the love of the game. <laughs> and he is like becoming obsessed with MacGyver <laughs> because it's so bananas that MacGyver's always foiling him with a paperclip. <laughs> for anyone who is going to make the grave mistake of never watching MacGyver. <laughs> I just need you to know about this one thing that happens. There's an episode where in the beginning, uh, Murdoch says that he's allergic to peanuts. And then at the end, uh, he like dramatically eats a peanut as like a, ooh, you never really know with this guy. But then like, I'm willing to go with how silly that is. But then on top of that, they like pull out and reveal like a pile of peanut shells underneath his seat like he'd been eating them this whole time. And like MacGyver's entire thing is that he's like this genius who like notices everything in a room, but he didn't see this pile of peanut shells. That's pretty fun. All right. We are at the end. The most recent Desmalchen vehicle is Twin Peaks The Return. This is my revenge for having to watch The Flash and MacGyver. Twin Peaks is my shit. Uh, David Desmalchen is in parts 4, 5, and 10. And he plays a pit boss at a Las Vegas casino. And he is a very peripheral character. <laughs> he gets very little screen time and what screen time he does have uh, a lot of it he's just kind of on the edges of the scene looking concerned so from a Desmalchen fandom perspective it's probably not worth your time but from a perspective of a lover of art a lover of television and a lover of 
Greatest director of all time, David Lynch. Absolutely, you should watch Twin Peaks The Return. I was really worried that it was going to be disappointing, as so many revivals of old TV shows are. And it's really, really good. I really love it. It's different from the old show in all the right ways. And it, uh, I just, I, it's great. Watch it. Please watch it. Lenny, your thoughts. Uh, I'm going to give it a not worth it. If you've watched and enjoyed David Lynch things before, you will probably also like this David Lynch things. I don't get them. Not in the fun way where people enjoy not getting them. <laughs> just in a way where I'm like, I don't know why this is supposed to be entertaining. That's all. I love Dougie and I love watching him drink Dougie. a cup of joe. <laughs> uh, in a giant green unflattering blazer. Oh, yeah. We can talk more about that blazer on our next episode, which will be Kyle McLaughlin. I guess that's, that's it, right? What do we do now? Katie, let's do some final thoughts. Okay. I think we should do. Let's do some final thoughts. Uh, so obviously I went into this loving David Desmolchin because, you know, I made the insane decision to watch everything he'd ever done. So I already liked him. After doing this, I think what strikes me the most is just, like, how much range he has. Like, he's obviously typecast a lot, but uh, after watching everything he's ever done, uh, I really feel like he could play, like, a rom-com lead or a sitcom dad or, like, anything. But on a selfish level, I do want to watch him play villains forever. My sort of ideal hope for his career is I would love to see him play a character like Penguin on Gotham who's like a villain but you like really track them and they have like a lot of nuance to them that's what I'm hoping for I really love David Desmolchin and I'm really amazed at how much there's a lot of overlap in the kinds of characters he plays but like each weird creepy villain he plays is so distinct like he does not have a stock villain character that he just does he each villain he plays feels so different from all of his other characters he seems like really dedicated to being good at acting (laughs) yeah and the the other thing i find really impressive about him now that we've done this with uh two other actors and the the next two actors we're doing are both like really talented um but i feel like they've both had moments I've seen um, where they weren't necessarily bad, but they weren't, like, rising above the material. But I just feel like David Dismulchin, like, every single role, like, I cannot complain about his acting or say it wasn't excellent. Yeah, I feel like he's always either the best actor in the thing he's in or, like, tied for best with a bunch of other amazing actors but there's like there's nothing where it's like yeah he he kind of phoned it in and rightfully so because it was just horsemen or whatever (laughs) yeah I have a lot of admiration for him and I also have a lot of sexual attraction for him (laughs) yeah would you indulge me Uh by ending this podcast on a fuck Mary kill (laughs) I would love to all David Desmolchen characters yeah sure Katie, yeah, I am going to fuck Murdoch, baby. <laughs> uh, he's a bad man, but I am into it. I'm gonna marry the dude from The Employer. Okay, yeah, he's he's a sweet man. Yeah, 
And I'm gonna kill Abracadabra because I feel like of all the worst, uh, like of all the bad David Smulchin guys, I feel like he was the very worst. It sounded like he maybe had killed like hundreds of people. Mm. Okay, I'm going to uh, also marry motherfucker. <laughs> What's his name? I Shit. have no idea what the that one. The who did you marry? The, the guy. Employer. The guy from the employer. I'm also gonna marry him because he's a deeply kind and good man. Uh, and I'm gonna fuck the English teacher from Ray Donovan. Nice. We do not know anything about him, but he is an English teacher, and he wears a nice uh, tie and vest combo. And that's all I need to know, baby. Sign me up. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna kill that fucking future Reddit nerd who straps bombs onto people, including girls who refuse to go out on dates with him. And I'm going to laugh while I do it. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Everybody, please check us out next time when we talk about the works of Sir Kyle (laughs) McLaughlin. Not many people know that he's a knight. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. I'm Tom Lockney. And I'm Liam Sr. I really like video games and internet culture. And I like movies and TV. And every week we research a true story from our preferred mediums and tell it to the other person. It's super fun and it's great. And even when it gets a little intense, we find the last in it, damn it. Lots of learning, lots of laughter, sometimes bummers, but lots of friendship. Media Majors, every Monday on the Major Cast Network. Thanks for listening to the Major Cast Network. Stay fun. Stay nasty and stay major.